Hey, you're listening to Yo, This Can't Be Life, the podcast that aims to educate and inform Black women on how to take better care of their physical, mental, and financial health. I'm your host, Bree Montgomery, and I'm inviting you to join me as I interview resident experts to find out the cheat codes to living your best life. The information provided is intended to be general advice and should not be considered medical advice. For that, please consult your medical professional. This week, we're talking about the differences between a DO and an MD. In the guest chair, we have Dr. Brooke Williams, who is a board-certified internal medicine physician currently practicing medicine as a hospitalist in North Carolina. She completed her residency training in the south suburbs of Chicago, in which she was also able to co-found a nonprofit organization called Color of Medicine. Through Color of Medicine, Dr. Williams strives to increase underrepresented minorities in medicine and STEM. She is an avid advocate for increasing cultural competency and reducing racial health disparities within the minority community. And with that, let's get into the show. Welcome to the show. Bree, thank you so much for, first of all, allowing me to be on your show. I'm really excited. Uh, like Bree was saying, I'm Dr. Brooke Williams. I am recently board certified uh, as of last week, internal medicine physician. Uh, currently, I practice as a hospitalist in North Carolina. Uh, completed my training in the South Suburbs of Chicago. Came back home and currently practicing. I am a North Carolina native. I went to North Carolina State University, not that got up from blue down the street. Um, and then I went to Hampton for my master's, came back to North Carolina for my uh, medical degree at Campbell. I was part of the first class, the first osteopathic, osteopathic class specifically. And then I went and did my training again in the South Suburbs of Chicago. So kind of like um, a big triangle there. Yeah, nice. So you mentioned the osteopathic medicine. A lot of times when I speak with doctors and even, you know, in my own personal life, we always have medical doctors. You hear about MDs. So osteopathic medicine is a little bit new to me and I figure it is to other people. So can you kind of tell us what a DO is and how that differs from an MD? Absolutely. Um, and this is actually the perfect time to actually talk about this. You know, in the past couple of weeks, there have been talks about, you know, kind of downplaying the uh, medical degree of an osteopathic physician. So I just feel like it's important to just educate everyone. So like you said, I am a DO, that stands for Doctor of Osteopathic Medicine. And MD is a medical doctor, that's the abbreviation stands for, but they are called allopathics. And honestly, a lot of times you might even see your PCP or any other type of subspecialty position you may see might be a DO and you don't even know it. You know, usually when a person comes in a white coat, you're not looking at their name to see their abbreviation. So that kind of speaks for it in itself. Nine times out of 10, you don't even know if you're seeing a DO. As far as our training goes, we take the same courses, the same um, science courses, but as a DO, we actually take an additional 300 to 500 more hours of classes that emphasize on the musculoskeletal system. So we actually learn manipulative uh, techniques. The best way to kind of explain it is a mixture between what a chiropractor and a physical therapist would do and blend it all together. And that's kind of what uh, manipulative medicine is. So we're able to actually align the musculoskeletal system in conjunction to 
any disease process that may be going on. The body reacts. You know, you can have tension in one side of the uh, muscle of the body. You can have some referred pain. And so with our training, we're actually able to pick up on some of those things. But that's pretty much the only difference. You know, we do pride ourselves on um, patient, how we approach patients is, you know, being holistic. Um, But I try to be careful with that because I don't want it to come off as, you know, my colleagues who are MDs don't approach patients uh, in a holistic manner. It's just very emphasized in our training, the mind, body, spirit, specifically with Campbell's um, philosophy. uh, We, you know, we look at the patient as a whole. It's not just, you know, a disease process, uh, not just, you know, a walking textbook. You know, every person's different. And, you know, as someone even outside of medicine, everyone knows that, you know, just because you have this disease doesn't mean the medication that we're giving you is going to work just like it worked for someone else. So everything is different in medicine. It's a work of art, as a lot of people like to put it. So um, we can take the same licensing exam as uh, MDs or uh allopathic physicians can take. But the caveat to that is they cannot take our licensing exam. When I took my boards for internal medicine, I actually took the uh, ABIM, which is the quote unquote allopathic license exam for internal medicine. And again, there is a DO board certification for internal medicine, but my counterpart MD colleagues cannot take that. So we kind of have, you know, just a little extra tool in our back pocket, as a lot of people like to put it. So, you know, we can play both sides of the fence. All right. Well, thank you for that. That's interesting that there's like an extra 300 to 500 more hours of work. But I guess that makes sense if you're going to do the other stuff. So they call it the manipulative treatment. Mm-hmm. What? Does that mean, like, are there, I know you talked about maybe like a chiropractor or a physical therapist. So, like, how does that go? Like, if I come in and I'm having an issue and it's something that you can do manipulative treatment on, like, what happens? What kind of things would you use that on? Like, what kind of ailments or things like that, you know, if I come in and I say I have certain things would you then kind of flip to the manipulative treatment? Honestly, it can be used as a treatment modality from anywhere from the head to the toe. The easiest thing I could say is, well, let me backtrack a little bit. So because although we all get trained in this in school, some DOs do not continue practicing outside of, you know, medical school training. People who do sports medicine, family medicine, orthopedic surgeons, there are actually some um, osteopathic um, residencies and fellowships. Those people continue learning more techniques, keeping up with their skills, because at that point in time, just like, you know, surgeons, their hands are their instruments. It's the same thing with manipulative medicine. So if you don't keep it up, you, you lose those tactile skills that are very important. And as you learn throughout school, you can actually be able to tell the difference in the tension that someone has in certain um, parts of their body. So if you are someone who's kept up with your training and say, you know, you have a patient come in in the clinic, say they're having, you know, backache, you know, back pain is one of, I think, probably the number one um, complaint that people come in with. So, you know, we would 
actually, as you walked into, well, we will be walking into the room, but we would have you get up off the exam table, have you probably walk to the door, walk back towards us. We would look at your gait, which is how you walk and assess how you, if you have some asymmetry. So that means like off balance and looking at your spine, just, you know, basic overall assessment visually. Um, after that, then they would usually sit you down on the um, exam table. And then that's when they would actually start literally just feeling, you know, your spine, scapula, the different muscles that make up your back um, muscles and seeing if there's any tissue texture changes. So basically, you know, if you have a really tight muscle, you can tell it kind of feels like it has a knot in it. So things of that nature. So we're, you know, seeing if there's actual changes in the temperature, if it's, you know, one side has more hair on it or not, like literally trying to see the difference in the alignment of your body, how it looks different from one side versus the other. And with that, you know, we're also feeling again, the spine, the bones of it, think if it's actually turned a certain way um, or for certain segments, lower or higher. Um, and then after we do our overall assessment, and then that's when you go into the treatment. One of the biggest things that people see, you know, chiropractors do is like the cracking and popping and, you know, people get so excited or even terrified of doing it. Um, but that's, you know, one of the things we can do, something called HVLA, but there are other things that we are taught to actually just holding the muscle in a certain um, position for a certain amount of time. And actually you can literally feel underneath your fingertips, the muscle kind of relax mm. and you'll be very surprised of how much the pain has decreased after just one session. Now, once you have the manipulation, it, just like with chiropractic, they usually have you come back for a couple of sessions um, just to continue the treatments. You will feel better after the first one, but of course you need continued um, treatment to kind of get to your um, overall goal. Okay. So if I was a patient and I was considering like, hey, I may want to make the switch, you know, what kind of people, I know everybody is gonna, you know, definitely, you know, thrive in either one, but what kind of, um, issues or ailments or a type of people that do exceptionally well, um, with that extra hands-on approach? Cause in generally when I'm going to a doctor and I'm visiting an MD, they're not really touching me unless they're trying to feel maybe or see what I'm trying to talk about. But as far as the treatment, they usually doesn't treat me with their hands. Right, right. Um, so honestly, you know, since I do inpatient medicine, uh, I'm not using my uh, manipulative skills that I learned in training. Uh, to be quite honest, you can use them in the hospital, but it's not used as um, often as if you were going to see someone in the clinic. So usually if I see a patient who has chronic back pain, chronic headaches, um, even lymphedema, all different sorts of things, um, if they don't have a PCP, I actually usually recommend them to a DO. Um, and specifically, there are uh, manipulative uh, clinics, which is usually like it takes like three months or so to try to get in to see them. Um, they can be that busy. Mm -hmm. um, literally, people walk in and feel like, you know, they have been touched by an angel after they <laughs> walked out. Um, so I, I do try to recommend certain patients who I think would benefit from that and who will be accepting of it. 
And I also try to explain exactly what, like you asked me, you know, what to expect when you come in because all you hear is manipulation and, you know, are you thinking chiropractory? So I try to, you know, make the distinction that we're not chiropractors, we're not physical therapists, but we use an extra tool in our pocket in addition to, you know, traditional um, Western medicine to help um, with diagnosis and treatment. So it's just another, you know, modality if someone has not been successful with, you know, um, medications like the traditional medications, just like if people go and get acupuncture, um, this is just another form of medicine that can be an adjunct or even just a different, you know, way of looking at things that may help uh, the patient in the long term. Okay. All right. And it's definitely helpful that you still do all the other things that a medical doctor would do. So it's kind of like an added benefit. Right. No, absolutely. And I mean, we can be surgeons, dermatologists. One of my best friends, I'm in medical school. She's actually a dermatology resident at Case Western. And, you know, it's a very competitive program and she's a DO. So I know, again, as you know, people who are pre-med or um, even just in medicine, there's been kind of this notion that DOs are subpar. That's completely false. Um, let me set the record straight that <laughs> okay. we are just as capable as our counterparts. And, you know, as a time in medicine and in healthcare, this is not the time to be creating division um, within medicine. You know, we have a bigger war to fight and this is not one that is worth, you know, worth the, okay. the fight. Who knew it was like getting spicy in the uh, physician (laughs) world and the doctor world. Okay. So what if I'm now I'm curious, what made you choose the path to be a DO? Well, um, honestly, when I, before I applied to medical school the second time, just, you know, disclaimer, um, (laughs) I did not even know what an osteopathic physician was. Like I said, I went to undergrad and then I went to Hampton for my master's and I did a summer enrichment program at that got off of blue color UNC called MED program. And during that summer, they had different programs, uh, medical schools come around, kind of like a affair. And Campbell was there again. I was part of the first class so they hadn't opened yet. And um, I just went around to the booth and just, you know, they were like, oh, have you ever heard of osteopathic medicine? And I was like, no, tell me more about it. You know, I, I try to keep an open mind. And as the ladies, um, you know, got to explaining, I was like, hmm, that sounds like something, you know, I was very intrigued. I was like, I mean, same exact training plus, you know, an additional more. Why not? Like, why not apply to both? It For me, it wasn't one or the other. It was how am I going to become the best? position that I can be. Whoever's going to give me that shot, whoever's going to take that chance on me, I want to be there. And so after, you know, applying to medical school, going to my second year getting my master's, I applied to programs mostly in Virginia, North Carolina, South Carolina, because I did want to come back to North Carolina at that time. Um, and I got an interview with Campbell. Again, you know, from that first conversation at, at the booth with those ladies, I just kind of felt a click between them. Um, So when I came and did the interview, I literally just had that gut feeling. I knew that I was supposed to be there without a doubt. And when I tell you, when they called me, I think it was probably a couple of weeks later and they had me on speakerphone and they said, congratulations, you have been accepted. I canceled all my other interviews. I knew like 
I had to trust my gut and, you know, I'm not sure what the, um, the religions are of, you know, some of the, the followers and um, listeners, but, you know, I am a Christian woman and I just had that, the spirit was talking to me. I knew, and that's how I, the story is, um, history from there. So that's wonderful. Like when you know, you know, like regardless, you know, of yeah. how it comes when you know you know but that's just wonderful and it's so interesting and he's like I don't even even need to talk to any other schools Mm-mm. this I is the me. one my search is done my well that's amazing Thank so you. Thank you. is there like a nutritional component or I remember you saying like it was a holistic approach so is it more just the physical extras or are there some other things that happen with um, that type of approach? So um, overall, it's just more so the, the physical touch and the manipulative medicine portion. But of course, each uh, medical school has their own little spice on their curriculum. <laughs> One of my um, professors was uh, very interested in obesity medicine. And so we would have uh, several lectures on nutrition. And even um, he would give lectures on the side if you were interested in that. And um, I have always enjoyed obesity medicine. Um, I have also thought about becoming board certified in that as well and taking some coursework and taking the exam for that. Um, but specifically to answer your question, no, we don't get like a added benefit of, you know, nutrition or any other um, sector of medicine. Okay. But we had someone, um, Dr. Stanford on this show um, dealing with obesity medicine. And she's just telling us how like relatively new that area of expertise is. Yes. Yes, so I think it it'll be a wonderful choice if you want to get into it. But yes. you definitely, it's, it's nice to know that you still can do the other specialties as well. Like, it's not like you have to stay in one little corner. You still have all these other things that you can do in addition to, you know, having that base DO. Yes. Which is awesome. Yes. yes. And now there's actually only one accreditation uh, system for all of the residency programs, whether it be D or MD. So we're all on equal umbrella now. It used to be two accredit two accreditation systems, uh-huh. but they kind of botched that, made created just one. So they were all held at the same accountability, same standards. So everything's standardized. So oh. that you know even made it more standard across the board of how our training had to be. You know, regardless MD versus DO. So okay. Well, that's good. So no one, you know, could even wonder like, oh, is it the same or do they have to go through the same stuff? Because if you're taking the same stuff at the end, then yeah. So that's pretty fantastic. Would you, you know, when you're in treating a patient or whatever and, you know, you notice, like you said, the, the tight muscles and the things like that, like, do you quote-unquote, prescribe more stretching or things like that to kind of relieve the tension? No, absolutely. Um, And with the inpatient side, again, it's a little bit not as hands-on as, of course, because of the hospital bed, it's a little bit more difficult to be able to do those things. But um, with the physical therapy, 
um, team that definitely helps us. You know, I don't necessarily go to the physical therapist and say, oh, hey, I'm a DO. Like, could you do some, you know, extra right. things? But um, that portion of the, the treatment team definitely does help in uh, giving the patients exercises. I even the other day had asked the nurse if we can get some resistance bands so my patient can be able to do some stretches, um, even when he wasn't working with physical therapy, because I knew that, you know, that would help uh, speed up his recovery. So I'm definitely, you know, always still trying to add in as much of physical training or body resistance or any other thing besides just adding a pill or giving an injection to help with the, the treatment of my patients. Okay. I hear a lot about pain management and trying to reduce opioid use. I know that maybe not in your current position, but as a for a DO in general, mm-hmm. what types of things do you guys do that helps with pain management? Because I hear about like migraines and things like that. Like why... Are your techniques working on pain in like, not you know, non-prescription ways? So again, it kind of goes back to when we do the overall assessment, the hands-on assessment and visual assessment of the patient when you're coming in for a manipulative treatment, um, the body's alignment, you know, our body isn't cut off into sections per se. We all, you know, it's all one compartment. And it all works together. Um, so when we are doing the hands-on and we're, you know, feeling the, t- uh, the differences in the tissues or if it's warmer or, you know, again, if there's anything different from one side of the body to the other, we, with the manipulation, we're actually able to relax some of those tissues that may be causing strain on some of the circulatory system that are affecting the nerve um, and the draining system, like the lymphatic. So, all of those different things that they are out of alignment, that's when you start to experience pain. That's when you start to have these different disease processes. Can we treat if someone's having a heart attack by doing some type of manipulation? No, absolutely not. You're going to the <laughs> cath lab. So like, let's, like, we have to be clear here that yes, it can be used as um, an adjunct to, you know, traditional medicine. And sometimes in certain circumstances, they can be used as an alternative treatment. But for certain things, if someone needs to be taken to the cath lab to have a stent placed or someone needs to have their gallbladder removed, we, you know, we still practice traditional medicine. That is still, you know, certain things still need certain types of treatment, specific treatment. So, um, but with the pain, again, if someone is post-surgical, just helping to uh, decrease attention on some of those um, uh, muscles. Obviously, we're looking at the surgical site. We're not trying to, you know, open up any sutures or anything like that. Um, again, using common sense, but we can help decrease the amount of uh, needed pain medication that the patient might have um, initially needed or wanted. So, again, it's not it's not something to say, oh, we're going to completely take your pain away by doing this, because that just gives you know false hope. But can I help you? kind of decrease the amount of pain medicine that you needed for this migraine headache. Um, absolutely. You know, so I think that is one, again, the tools, what makes osteopathic medicine so special. All right. Yes, I think it is. 
So if I, you know, I'm listening to this episode and I'm like really excited and I want to try out, you know, working with a DO, you know, for the first time, how do I go about finding a DO and knowing, you know, I have someone that's going to be a good match for me? So you can actually, if you Google, um, find a DO, uh, the website will come up doctorsatdo.osteopathic.org. Okay. And you can actually, of course, filter by state, um, city, zip code, put that in there. And then you can actually find someone who practices osteopathic medicine in the area or near you. Cool. Okay. So it's doctors that do like do.osteopathic.org. Mm-hmm. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Now, if um, we want to keep up with you, like how do we keep in contact with you? Um, yeah, uh, feel free to reach out to me through my Instagram page. It's very easy. Dr. Dr. Brooke Williams. Um, my Facebook page is exactly the same. My email address is drbrookewilliams at gmail.com. So feel free to reach um, reach out to me via any of those three uh, platforms. Um, I also do have a nonprofit color medicine. So that's something else that if you want to take a look at, feel free. And uh, maybe next time we can talk a little bit about that. Oh, well, let's go ahead and talk about it now. What is color <laughs> medicine? Um, so uh, one of my friends and I, uh, she actually approached me with this idea. I think it was November of 2018. Uh, let's start a nonprofit. And we want to help increase minorities in medicine. Um, she's actually one of my best girlfriends in Chicago. She has her PhD and does cardiovascular research at Northwestern. So when we came together, you know, from the clinical and uh, research portion of medicine and then from traditional medicine side, you know, we said, okay, well, we need to do STEM in medicine. So we came up with the name Color of Medicine and basically we uh, go and insert ourselves into CPS, the Chicago Public School Systems, um, a lot of times doing table talks. Um, we have some, um, one of my other best girlfriends, uh, Dr. Finwan Milhouse, which is actually on your show recently. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so, uh, she's like my big sister. I love her. Um, she's actually done a sex ed talk with some girls. Um, at a school, which we've actually been um, able to carry out uh, for the last two years. Um, So we just have a lot of our colleagues, friends, being able to mentor and uh, show that people like us can be uh, physicians, can be scientists, can be engineers. Um, You know, it, it just takes that one spark to, you know, help a child, you know, develop into the next, um, uh, you know, we could say Madam C.J. Walker, you know, she was technically a hair scientist. So, you know, just becoming what you think is to be unimaginable. Right, right, right. Um, no, no limits. And it, it's right. crazy that you mentioned Dr. Melhouse because she was just saying she got into the urology field because she met a black woman speaking on it and she didn't even know what it was and never even thought she could be it. Because all she saw was white men in there. So it's it's really important thing that you guys are doing, you know, exposing young people 
to letting him know that, yes, this is something that you can do. Like, just because you're black does not mean that you cannot be a doctor if that's something you choose to be. So I love it. Thank you. Thank you. Yes, it's a great uh, thing that we were able to do. And just how everyone has been so supportive. And, you know, every day we have people emailing us like, oh, how can I be of service? You know, people definitely want to mentor. I think it's just how they're able to do that is, you know, the, the difficult part, but anyone has any questions. Yeah. How do you, how do we get down? <laughs> um, so it's color Just C O L O R O F N E D I C I N E.com. Okay. Um, and feel free to reach out to us um, via there. We also have a um, Instagram page as well. You can find actually the link on my bio um, as well. And we also have a Facebook page. So a couple of different platforms. Again, myself, my co-founder and um, my board, we are open to any suggestions that anyone may have. Or if anyone wants to be a helping hand, we'll greatly appreciate that. Awesome. Thanks for sharing. I'm sure people will be interested in that. And I'll go ahead and add that to the show notes for anybody listening. So you'll be able to find that information in the description of this episode or at yodiscan'tbelife.com. Well, with that, do you have any parting words that you would like to share with the listeners? Um, Well, just thank you so much again for taking the time um, to let me uh, share my story. Bree, this is fantastic. And I can't wait to listen to the other stories that are shared on your um, your platform. Um, it's you know it's great. A lot of times, you know, people take what they see on TV and God forbid what they're seeing right now on TV and run with it. So I think it's important to get people on your show who are actually able to educate everyone out there, be able to you know speak the truth about certain topics. So I'm excited to see uh, where your podcast takes you and um, so many other people. All right. Thank you. So what did you think? Were you aware of the O's before this episode? I've only known about a few of them myself, um, but much to Dr. Williams' point, I knew of them longer. I just did not realize they were DOs instead of an MD. If you'd like to find Dr. Williams um, on Instagram, she's at Dr. Brooke Williams. And her nonprofit is at color of medicine underscore TM. If you're looking for us, we're at Yo This Can't Be Life on Instagram and Facebook, actually. We also have a Twitter page. You can go straight to the source and get all the information about the episodes and the show notes at YoThisCan'tBeLife.com. Of course, we're available for your listening pleasure on all the major platforms, including Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and Google. So go ahead and subscribe so you won't miss an episode. Also, please consider giving us a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. That really helps us out on the show. Or share your favorite episode on social media. Thank you for listening. Until next time.